Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Steve. Nope, I'm not <laughs> God, Jesus. I'm, I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with my, my good friend and co-host, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? I, uh, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I like to think that I have somewhat decent predictive power, and here we are. I'm about to talk about Northwestern's Big Ten title hopes, like we talked about last week as a thing that might happen. So here we are. Yes. Uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Um, but I think I think first it's it's important that we uh, talk about what happened last Monday uh, before this before we went up. Uh, so we didn't have time to address it at that time. Um, the tragic, senseless shooting at Michigan State on Monday, the 13th. Obviously, we are. We're, we're here. We we mostly talk about basketball on this podcast, but this is obviously very important to address. And and I think all I can say at this point is is our our thoughts and prayers, our hearts uh, go out to everyone affected, uh, everyone at Michigan State University, all Spartan fans, everyone across the state of Michigan. Again, about the, about this senseless act of violence. And um, yeah, we're we're with you guys. Yeah, we're all we're all one conference. Uh, you know, we're all one conference united behind uh, behind our support of the Spartan community this week. So echoing what Brett said. Um, senseless tragedy um, and we hope that everyone there um, has all the support that they need to grieve during this this really really difficult time for that community there yeah well said well said um and talking about something that means a, a whole lot less than than that loss of life but uh, i think it you know we should uh you know get stick to the program to some degree um and let's start by, as Steve said, diving into the uh, Big Ten title race. A lot of movement this past week. Things are sort of settling to some level. I mean, obviously, the, the fight for the last double buy, especially after tonight, will be going on for the next two weeks, basically, uh, based on the the kind of clumpness of teams that are all within two games of each other between uh, Maryland at nine and seven and Wisconsin at seven and nine. Um but first, I think, uh, you know, we, we start at the top. We start with the Purdue Boilermakers again. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of a, an interesting week for them um, going on the road and just getting blown out by by the home Terps, uh, which are kind of an entity unto themselves so far this year uh, before returning back to Mackey and just blowing the doors off a, a, as we've mentioned, very, very fading Ohio State team that the, the computers still kind of like this team, which is a different conversation. But I think it was big for Purdue to really come back and just take care of business, uh, really not mess around with Ohio State after kind of a, a defeating loss on the road. As of right now, I believe they are a game and a half up uh, at 13 and four, while Northwestern sits at 11 and five. Uh, so, Steve, what do you see out of the Boilermakers this this week? And, you know, I, I know that we've got we've had our questions and I, I think that, you know, that Maryland game kind of exacerbates some of them to the degree of of how they defend. But I don't know where where where's where are you on the Boilermakers right now? I think I've been been pretty consistent in I think our praise for their ability to just I mean, for lack of a better term, you know, win tough games. I think we've also been consistent in saying that, you know, they, they have won a lot of close games. And I, I think, you know, we, we're we not necessarily on the Purdue bandwagon as far as them being a, you know, dominant Final Four uh, contender this year, despite the fact that they've been ranked in the top 10 for basically the whole year. And so I think this is just a further proof point to that for us. But really, when you look at what Maryland was able to do, I mean, 
they were able to slow down Edie enough um, and, and shut down some of the other guys that like they, they really made Purdue seem pedestrian. You know, Edie with 18 points on 16 shots, um, you know, so not woefully inefficient, but by no means, you know, this, this is not what we're used to seeing with him, you know, from his Big Ten player of the year kind of caliber type performances. You know, Fletcher Lawyer only with six points on two and nine shooting. Uh, Mason Gillis, just four points. Like, their others really didn't do anything in that game either, which, you know, is an issue with a young supporting cast anytime that they go on the road. So, it, you know, it, it, it seems simple at the core, but, I, you know, I, I think we, we, we saw Purdue, you know, struggle. They kind of got blitzed by Northwestern at the end of last week. It carried over, obviously, and now they're going to kind of have to dogfight their way to claim the Big Ten regular season title because of what we're going to talk about in a second with Northwestern. Great response, obviously, for them to come out and, you know, blow the doors off of Ohio State. But um, Purdue still has uh, – they have to play Illinois. They have to play Indiana. Like, they're, they're by no means in the clear. And so, you know, we'll see if the, the pressure gets to them because I think some of this is mental with this team, you know, frequently <laughs> just having dealt with frequent, like, collapses and um, underperforming results in March um, in the past. But some of this is real in that, like, you know, especially, uh, you know, when they play some of these high, higher powered offenses that can really come at them uh, in in March. You know, how will the, you know, the other guys stand up um, when they need to if Edie isn't super effective? And I think, you know, that was evident in the Maryland game. Yeah. And I think I think if you looking at the box score really kind of unlocks what Maryland's game plan was. And it was really just to have Jameer Young initiate the offense. You know, he had 20 points, uh, not the best shooting night, but he was attacking the rim and he was able to get to the line seven times, making all of them. I did have four assists as well. So I think, you know, if, if you're uh, a mid to high major team playing Purdue in the tournament, I mean, and you have an, the kind of an explosive guard that can get into the paint against Smith and lawyer and draw Edie for, to, to help. And then, you know, you can, you'll be able to, kind of break down this defense. And and if if Purdue doesn't have their other guys going, as, as we've talked about, I mean, you know, Braden Smith did have 18 points in the in the game. But besides that, no one was no one scored more than six uh, besides him and Edie. So I think you're really going to kind of need to see those guys start showing up a little bit more as we as we make our way towards the tournament. Obviously, there's still a game and a half clear in the conference. And this would be a huge accomplishment for, for Purdue, kind of, you know, relatively unheralded uh, coming into the season. And getting another another Big Ten title would be would be huge. Um, but obviously, I think couch guarded optimism, so to speak. But I'm you know, it was good to see them really come back around and uh, and just take care of business against a, a team they really needed to. So as we have alluded to, your Northwestern Wildcats sit alone in second place in the Big Ten coming off a big week where they not only. Uh, so first of all, they've won five in a row including obviously that win against Purdue, but they followed that up with another win against Indiana, which I believe they blew a 21 point lead um, and then won on uh, basically a, a, a boo booey buzzer beater and then just blew the doors off Iowa today in a, in a really impressive defensive showing, you know, we all know what Iowa's capable of holding them to 0.88 points per possession while also scoring 1.18. I mean, it is Iowa's defense, which is terrible, but we've seen Northwestern struggle to score uh, a lot this year. Um, and, you know, it, it goes to show that they can really take advantage of certain defensive matchups. And I think that holding Iowa to those 60 points uh, really 
documented that they're they're able to slow down some seriously high powered offenses and and as you say defense travels so I think that's a a good omen what what uh what did you see from Northwestern this week no I, I think I think you hit on all of it and I mean you know you you talk about deep defense traveling I, I think here's maybe the only thing I'd say to that defense defense does travel but defense also not to I think put a damper on a lot of the Northwestern fan listeners here but defense Teams, teams that play good defense tend to overperform in the regular season compared to like how they do in the tournament, right? And so I, I think, again, especially in, you know, a conference where there's like a lot of superstars just across, you know, the, the various teams that are in the middle here, you know, Northwestern's come in. And, and I think this, this is shocking just given Rutgers' reputation defensively this year, but they've come in and you know, been the the best game planning team, I think, the conference as far as um, shutting, um, you know, opposing superstars down. Um, and, and they've really executed well on offense um, at home, particularly behind Boo Booey, who has carried this team offensively. Um, and they've gotten, you know, great contributions from role players when they've needed. Ty Berry had a big game on Sunday against Iowa and was key to, you know, them winning that game by 20. Um, but here's just the context matters, right? So because of the COVID rescheduling, right, Northwestern's last three games were at home, um, which, you know, all very, very impressive wins, but you have to defend your home court, you know, if you want to be anything in this conference. And they've done that. Three out of their last four are on the road at Illinois, at Maryland, at Rutgers. They have to play Penn State at home. You know, know, they're really going to have to keep up this level of play if they want to even like split those two games. So um, while it's, you know, while it's great what Northwestern's been able to accomplish and the fact that they have a puncher's chance to share the regular season is a huge accomplishment. They're going to be ranked this week and they're probably in the tournament. You know, you've got to be cautious because this could turn around terribly if they don't keep up the offensive execution. Um, And, you know, they're staring that right in the face, you know, uh, on the road against a desperate Illinois team, you know, one of their rivals. So, um, coming up first this week. So uh, they've got a tough road ahead to finish this out. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be easy. Things rarely have been in the conference this year, to say the least. You know, not not to get too ahead of ourselves, but, uh, you know, I would be shocked if we didn't see Chris Collins' name in uh, in Big Ten Coach of the Year races going forward. But yeah, I think I think you kind of hit it right on the head. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how their brand of defense with the insane amount of post doubles basically exclusively doubling the post kind of pans out as we get more into March. Um, but you can't really ask for, for a better, better couple of weeks from, from any team, you know, regardless of, of Northwestern or not. And so, yeah, I think they've, they've definitely put themselves in a, in a good spot. I believe that the bracket matrix has them as a six, as a six seed right now. I mean, that'd be huge. That'd be a huge accomplishment for, for Northwestern and uh, you know, any, any Big Ten fan, I feel like, is gonna gonna at least feel a little twinge of happiness. Uh, maybe not Illinois fans, but uh, you know, it'll it's it's encouraging to see for sure. Moving on, the last or one the, as the tight with regards to the title race, I think we got to talk about Indiana, who sits a game back of Northwestern. Still very much kind of anything in anything can happen territory with four games left. Um, but they did bounce back from that close loss to Northwestern to uh, by coming back from from you know, basically trailing a decent amount of the game. Um, 
as by as much as by as much as nine uh, with 12 minutes left and came back to beat Illinois, which was playing without Terrence Shannon, but had a big game for Matthew Meyer. Trace Jackson Davis, again, just excellent from the field, uh, hit the glass really hard, had a couple of assists, had five blocks and three steals. I mean, back when you were talking about, are we, should we get serious about talking about Trace Jackson Davis as big 10 player of the year? I I mean, this is the kind of game you need to have if you, and if you want to win that. And I mean, it was, that was, that it showed a lot of moxie from, from the Hoosiers, especially Jalen Huchifino, who basically spent the first half playing on a different planet, uh, came back and hit some clutch shots down the stretch. Uh, they're getting enough contributions from, from the rest of their team. Miller cop chipped in four threes, uh, for 12 points. I mean, are they, are they playing? Are they, are they, is this the kind of Indiana team that we thought we'd see at the beginning of the season? Well, you know, I, I think what is the most surprising to me about this Indiana team, and we, we kind of hit on this last week, but th- these wins are all like culture wins. Yeah, they, they have a they have a super, you know, they, they, they have their superstar that I think, you know, everyone on, I guess, you know, 13 or 12 out of the 13 other Big Ten teams would kill for a Trace Jackson Davis like, you know, superstar to have, have them them carry them. But it, 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 it's more than that, you know, they're, they're overcoming injuries to get these wins. They're winning on the road, you know, even though they lost to Northwestern, I mean, to, to come back the way they did, you know, they're, they're together, they're, they're together. They make the right plays when they need to. You talk like Hood Shafino has been as inconsistent as any freshman in the conference this year, but he makes big shots when he needs to, they get the stops that they need to. Um, and they just find ways to win game. It is so unlike any the Indiana program that you know was there under Archie Miller and even under Tom Crean before that, where they just could not get big wins or and, and could not predictably put together consistent play. I mean, that's the big, the most surprising thing to me. Like, look, I think we all thought Indiana was going to be near the top of the conference just because of their roster continuity and the, the talent, but it, it's the way they're doing it, honestly, that's most surprising. And it starts. Um, and ends with what Mike Woodson has instilled with these guys um, in, in keeping them together and and cohesive and um, making them tough, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing and obviously it's another year in the program for almost all these guys, but we're seeing Indiana pick up a lot of these close wins where they, they probably would have folded on the stretch last year um, and and certainly under under Archie and, and Tom Crean. Um, and so, yeah, definitely like huge culture shift. I think they're really gutting out a bunch of these really tough and impressive wins. I still like, I, I'm, I'm not as bullish on their long-term aspect in the tournament. That's another conversation, but we, it's, it's very hard to deny that they're playing very, very good basketball. And, and I, I actually have to disagree with you on that because, um, it, you know, I, I think they're still like an offense first team. You know, and they've got the, you know, they've got the Joker in in Trace Jackson Davis that, you know, can go for 30 or 40 on a given day. You know, when you don't know, they, they've got the not the pedigree, but they've got like, you know, Hood Shafino's a legit like, you know, recruit that can light it up when they need to. They've got the role players that are veteran. Um, I, I do, you know, with the right draw, obviously, like I, I do like this team's chances in the tournament say compared to Northwestern's, which is, you know, they're, they're really going to need the right matchups Northwestern and, you know, they're going to have to control tempo and all this stuff. Indiana can, can win. They've proven they can win low scoring games. They can win high scoring games. They can run on the road. They can win at home. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, all, all fair points. I think, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get obviously more into it once we see the draw. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely I've been largely impressed. I mean, they've lost twice since January 14th and uh, both road games. So they're they're taking care of business when they need to um, and at the right time. Um, so that's that's nice to see. Brief shout out, I think, to a team that's not involved really in the title race, but has just been balling out this last couple of weeks. Uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers find themselves in the midst of a three-game win streak uh, after this week going to the rack and knocking off Rutgers by 10 and then outlasting Maryland at uh, the vault in overtime. I, 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 this happened last year, too. Like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> like, what is going on down there? Well, it, it happened last year, but they didn't get seven conference wins last year. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, but I mean, we we can get to the X's and O's. I think, you know, Tominaga has had a lot to do with it. Derek, Derek Walker has a lot to do with this. But finally, things are looking up for, for Fred Horger, Fred Horberg and team. And I mean, like they're, they're kind of turning into, well, first of all, you look at the standings and it's like, okay, like, you know, they... They could actually like with if they keep this winning streak up, make some moves. But they're they're turning into that team that you don't want to face if you're like a seven seed, you know, a seven seed that needs yeah really badly needs one one win. I mean, their their numbers are I think in the net there yeah they're still at like 94 probably hasn't updated with their win over over Maryland, but yeah they're not gonna. You know they're not going to help you that much, but a, a loss is going to be devastating. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, we'll we'll see if this is just a, a a three game blip or whether they continue this, you know, through the end of the year because um, they, they might not only just be a team that you don't want to face uh, in the Big Ten tournament, but they might actually skyrocket up the seed line if if they continue this this winter. I'm actually, I mean, I'm going to keep saying this when we go through our previews that you got to go eyes wide open to any Nebraska game, but I'm particularly circling their final game of the season in Iowa city as one where the Hawkeyes need to be eyes wide open because there's just so much that's that, that could be hilarious about Iowa blowing that game at home, even though they're, they're probably comfortably in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, and you know, Nebraska's kind of got this three headed monster might be a little much, but like they've got three guys in, in Tominaga Walker and Grisel that all bring different things to the table and play really well with each other. And Grisel's kind of been, a very steady hand at, at guard this year. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been fun to, I mean, unless your team is playing them in which case it's incredibly infuriating, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this isn't, I mean, is this stretch enough to save Hoiberg's job? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, so, I think too. so. Yeah. I think so too. You know, he, there's still definitely a work in progress, but I mean, even 14 and 14 they're if they stay the course, they're NIT eligible, which would be, I think huge for this program specifically. So that's that's going to be an interesting subplot to watch down the stretch. Now we move to the bubble where things didn't really clear themselves up uh, at all much this week. We'll start with uh, probably the team that finds itself in the worst position from a bubble standpoint, as they are currently not even on the the bracket matrix site, meaning that I don't think any bracketologist has them in. But Penn State did pick up two wins this this week, uh, an impressive win against Illinois, uh, in which Jaden Jalen Pickett scored 41 points, uh, 10 for 11 from the field, just making his hay in the post, also hitting five threes, which is a bit unexpected, eight assists, you know, kind of kind of doing it all for them. Um, and the, the Nittany Lions hit 12 threes and uh, did and, and were able to take care of business, uh, you know, pulling the upset. 
and then they were able to uh you know beat beat uh Minnesota at the barn um I mean it's probably a little bit too little too late for Penn State at but they said it's six and nine in, in conference 16 11 or seven and nine in conference excuse me uh 16 and 11 overall um you know they do have the they yeah not the Illinois wins are help but I, I think that's kind of the best they're riding with at this point yeah, I mean, Illinois had a rough week this week, which we it was it's kind of evident after that. I mean, they scored 81 in the place where dreams go to die, TM or whatever that means. But and, I'm surprised and John was, Rothstein hasn't hasn't uh, trademarked that yet. So we should get on yeah, that. Yeah, we should get on that. But you know, they had a really balanced offensive performance there on the road and and still lost by double digits, which sucks. But Penn State's got an opportunity though to to pick up you know, wins down the stretch here. You know, they go to Ohio State this week, a game they should win. They've got Rutgers at home, Maryland at home. I mean, they've, they've got the opportunities. They go to Northwestern. They've got the opportunities to put their best foot forward here. Um, I don't think they're as out of it as people think, um, even though that, even though they're, you know, they're out of it as of today. But, you know, I, I, I don't think we've seen their last punch yet. And, I mean, Jalen Pickett's going to land himself on the on first-team all-conference this year, which I don't think – I don't think we had that, but it, I mean, this dude can ball. And I mean, he, I mean, at least for one game was solely responsible for, you know, dragging them back into tournament contention. Yeah. I, I think I'm just going to have to record a long soliloquy of a podcast where I apologize to Jalen Pickett when he inevitably does make first team all big 10, because he's been out of this world. He's so good, man. And uh, he deserves it. So yeah, I think definitely something to keep an eye on for Penn state. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, um, but they, they probably need to win out uh, to get themselves firmly back, even on the bubble. Speaking of the team that finds itself in the best scenario, they are, as of right now, Bracket Matrix's last team in the field. The Wisconsin Badgers continue to just redefine what basketball can look like on the offensive end. Obviously, they were, the, the game against Michigan on Tuesday was, uh, you know, no love lost between those programs, although it uh, seems to be mostly coming from from one way, but it, you know, was Wisconsin didn't score for the last 10 minutes and 40, or didn't make a field goal for the last 10 minutes and 45 seconds that game and won, which is mind boggling to anyone who maybe not anyone to anyone who's watched the Badgers over the last couple of years. But I just the scoring drought was wild. They shot 33 percent from two and it wasn't even like they were getting terrible looks. They were getting some pretty good looks, and that'll be a common theme once we move into the next game against Rutgers. But they let Michigan come back from from 12 points down, basically on the uh, heels of of a, a really excellent game from Kobe Bufkin, who was uh, nine of 15 from the field, hit three threes, and really was desperately trying to drag them to a win. You know, it was another another subpar game from Hunter Dickinson, who was almost scoreless in the second half. And even though and Connor Asijan obviously was was big down the stretch as he hit nine of 10 free throws uh, to kind of ice the game. And then they turn around and basically do the same thing against Rutgers, lose by one. They had a shot to win it. Asijan went 0 for 10 from the field. But it was one of those ones where Cam Spencer got really hot in the first half. Um, so some defensive letdowns from Wisconsin and in a game that's 58 to 57. You really don't. Uh, it's it probably shouldn't have that many defensive breakdowns, but. You know, Wisconsin didn't score a field goal for, I believe, like six straight minutes at one point um, and just had a hell of a time trying to hit open shots the entire game. And that's kind of been what it has been this season. And I they got to start hitting some shots if they want to make this tournament. Yeah, I mean, that the Asijan, I think, was the best, maybe not the best player, but the most effective player for Wisconsin earlier in the week against Michigan. And then 
um, putting up the bagel on Saturday against Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, that just, I think, shows that this team's still searching for their offensive identity. I, I do want to say, I mean, Rutgers season, it felt like they were about to go into a tailspin. But um, I don't know whether it was, you know, their defense or um, Wisconsin's lack of um, offensive ability that uh, that kind of propelled them to victory. But, um, you know, this was a much needed win for the Scarlet Knights to prevent their tailspin from spinning. Um, And, yeah, you know, I think with Wisconsin, it's going to be a long, you know, real three three weeks here for them as they. Um, try to find some sort of consistency. I think for me, the biggest concern isn't like obviously the lack of offensive um, execution down the stretch is a huge problem, but who who's going to be the guy that steps up for, up for them really? I think, you know, we, we were both very high on Chucky Hepburn to be that guy this year, but you know, wall seemed in his head since the injury, you know, Jordan Davis has been very inconsistent um, you know, Crow's been effective at times when they've gone to him, but he, you know he can't be the alpha in that offense, and it, it really has to be Hepburn, you know, to be the one that that drags them to get these wins that, you know, come down to crunch time, and and that's really who I'm looking for to catalyze them the the rest of the year here. Yeah, it's it's been interesting because he's I believe top five in the conference in three-point shooting still, but has has taken some kind of ill-advised ones at a number of stages in the game, but also, like, is not super capable of finishing around the rim like anyone else on this team. So it's been interesting to try and watch him navigate this. And sure, he's still only a sophomore, and the, the, the growing will come, but I think, like you said, I, I agree that they, they really need him. They can't have him in foul trouble for large stretches of the game like he was against Rutgers, although Kamari McGee did step up uh, admirably with with nine points. Um, and has looked more comfortable coming off the bench, which gives more guard options, which they desperately need because this team is only playing eight guys right now. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things where if, if the Badgers could make open shots, they would probably have three more conference wins. And that's that's frustrating, but it's in theory at least fixable. And I think, you know, we'll talk about this, but with Iowa coming up, that's always a good a good, uh, you know, get right game for your offense. Uh, and then finally, we have uh, Michigan, another one in one team this week, still mostly off of the bubble on bracket matrix, but you know, with a few wins, anything is really possible in getting back, getting back into tournament contention. So we, we talked about the game against Wisconsin. Um, just not enough to, to bring it back, um, uh, the, to, to kind of complete the comeback. Um, but then we're able to go into Michigan state or to, sorry, not, uh, we're able to, he got a win against Michigan state winning by 12, ended up winning by 12 in what was a pretty closely contested game for a lot of it. Um, we saw a, a really good, another really good game from Kobe Bufkin, um, Doug McDaniel with 18 points. Um, and then we had Joey Hauser leading the Spartans with 20. What did you, what stuck out to you about this game? So I think to me, it, it came down to execution down the stretch, which is something that you, you hit on it in the Wisconsin game. But I think we've, we've talked about it a lot too, with this Michigan team being unable to, um, win, you know, close games for lack of a better word. We've seen that blow leads, um, you know, that Iowa game comes to, to mind, but we've also, you know, they, um, they, they've just struggled down the stretch in, in close games, period. We even, we talked about the Indiana game last week too. Um, here, here they, they finally got, um, they finally got it right. Um, ex- out executing the, the Spartans down the stretch. It, you know, it was emotional. It was an emotional game. 
Um, I think on both sides, just given the circumstances, you know, surrounding uh, the shooting at Michigan State. And I, I think when it when it comes to basketball, you know, the the X factor, you know, was was probably Terrace Reed. But I think, you know, at, at this point for for this Michigan team, I, I think honestly, even more so than Penn State. I mean, th- their their season is is kind of that you you need to win out to really put together a you know a tournament resume that um, gives them any semblance of a shot. And they've just they've lost too many of these games, um, you know, and, and that's why they're fifteen and twelve. So yeah, I think that the funny thing to to watch this. With, with this team, especially depending on how these last few games shake out, is they're not out of the running for a double buy. Like they, their conference record could end up pretty good, which could lead to some kind of weird outcomes um, when it comes to the, the, the Big Ten tournament, especially depending on where seeding lands. But um, that, that they probably, you know, need to go, I mean, 4-0, and maybe 3-1 and with a couple of Big Ten tournament wins to, uh, to, to, to really have a shot at making the tournament. Yeah, no, I, I agree with with everything you said. I think, uh, you know, and with that, we can turn to the preview. I think it's going to be a very interesting week. Uh, there are a lot of teams jostling for position. I think, you know, after this slog of a of a tournament or of a of a season, that that double buy in the tournament. So kind of those last two spots, even three, depending on what happens with Northwestern, are, are all kind of up for grabs. Um, and it, it should be a, a very interesting fight to the finish amongst, I mean, basically 11 12 if you want to be nice and include Nebraska teams that are that are all kind of jostling for for positioning in a couple weeks at the conference tournament in Chicago so we can uh turn to Monday Monday we have a standalone game uh it is Minnesota going to Illinois uh Illinois just got to have this one I we've said this about I don't think we've actually talked about a single Minnesota game in quite some time frankly because they don't deserve it and yeah, it's, it's Illinois has got to get over the hump. They're they're They've lost two straight. They're likely solidly in the tournament at 17 and nine. Uh, I guess with, with bracket matrix, they're uh, yeah, six seed. So, you know, they're in the tournament, but I think it's good to have kind of that good mojo flowing as you kind of head into the conference tournament and, and big tournament. So looking for them to, uh, you know, just kind of roll against a depleted Minnesota roster. All right. On Tuesday, we also have a standalone game. Indiana heads to East Lansing. So, you know, there's there's going to be a few storylines here. You know, number one, this will be Michigan State's first game at home since the shooting. And so I'd expect it to be another emotional game for them as they um, suit up in front of their home crowd. Uh, aside from that, they're they're really tough at home. Like their their defense, you know, feels like it um, it reaches another level at home. They've gotten some really big wins at home this year, you know, and, and they, you know, they've, they've played all the, the tough teams, you know, tough at home. Um, so how big of a, you know, can Indiana continue this, um, you, know, you know, the results that they've gotten in terms of culture wins and road wins. I, I think um, the, 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 this one's going to be one to watch for that because I think everything's pointing to this being a game that Michigan state finds a way to win. Um, just with everything going on, can Indiana overcome that? Can Chase Chase Jackson Davis continue to put together his, you know, resume for Conference Player of the Year? Um, and and can they continue, you know, their upward trend to stay in position for a double buy? 
Moving on to Wednesday, uh, quick turnaround for Minnesota as they go to Maryland. Uh, I believe the the Monday game is a result of COVID pause from a couple weeks ago. I'm just remembering now. Um, you know, this will be a, a, a it's a good time to have a get right game for Maryland, right? Coming back after an away loss to Minnesota or away loss to Nebraska, um, they'll have to you know be able to kind of get get it together, and uh, you know they they should win easily at home. And then Iowa, Wisconsin, the biggest clash of styles uh, this side of the Mississippi. Um, you know, I, Wisconsin has had success slowing down pretty much any Iowa team they've ever faced. Would look for them to do that again and really keep them in check. Um, I think that something I forgot to mention, but they Wisconsin did start sending a lot more to the offensive glass against Michigan. Um, I do not see that happening again because Iowa will want to get out and run. Um, Wisconsin needs this one more than Iowa. I, in, in theory, think they can get it done at home. It depends on if they want to make their, their shots. Um, so I have, I have a, a sneaking feeling that this one is going to be a close one coming down to the wire yet again for the Badgers. All right. Three games on the docket on Thursday. First Penn, Penn state heads to Columbus. Got to have this one. Um, if you're, if you're Penn state, um, th- this Ohio state team seems like they've, they've lost, you know, you know, it seems like they've lost it just in terms of, you know, will, willpower. Um, Zed Key did not play uh, uh, in Sunday's game against Purdue. And if, if, if that continues, I mean, you know, that, that probably helps Penn State, given they're not the biggest team out there. That, you know, being in Columbus, you know, you want to make sure that Suns and Ball doesn't go off. But, I mean, a, a loss here, just, even though Ohio State's computer numbers are not terrible, a loss here, I think, um, knocks Penn State out. Uh, Michigan heads to the rack to take on Rutgers. Uh, so, um, you know, Michigan probably needs this one more than Rutgers does. I'm looking at, at two, you know, specific matchups for this game to key in on. First, um, you know, there's the obvious matchup of the bigs down low when, you know, Cliff O'Marie, who's a um, above average defender, you know, is tasked with slowing down Hunter Dickinson. Um, you know, I, I'd also be interested to see what happens if, when Omari goes against Terrace Reed. That will be, I think, an interesting athletic matchup just to watch. But I'm also looking at the McConnell-Howard matchup, too. Um, again, can Michigan find the offense here to keep this close against Rutgers and steal at the end? They're going to need to. I don't know that this necessarily eliminates them with a loss, but, you know, we, we just talked about it. I think Michigan's kind of playing for their season right now so we'll see how desperate they come out there and then i think with early game of the week candidate here you know northwestern heads to illinois to me this game's about can illinois speed up northwestern can they run them in transition before that defense has a chance to set itself you know and and um can they get a balanced effort on offense um and and really find a way to you know turn things around i I know we try to get carried away with like small losing streaks, but Illinois is heading in the wrong direction at the wrong time. Northwestern's heading in the right direction at the right time. It does that flip here when Northwestern finally has to go on the road. Moving to Saturday, we've got Michigan state going to Iowa. This will be a big one in terms of seating uh, for um, conference tournament implications. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that Iowa has, the, the obviously the, the home court advantage. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see who they try to have uh match up with Chris Murray. Um, 
And, you know, we've seen some solid play from the rest of Iowa's supporting cast going through. So I think the the guard matchup of, of Perkins and Haggard is going to be really interesting. I think whoever kind of gets their their foot in the lane more on offense uh, will will have the advantage. Um, I think that it's another game that Michigan State definitely can come in and win, um, but they're going to need to be more uh, more consistent offensively if they want to be able to try and keep up with Iowa and their prolific offense. Um, the next game we have is Minnesota, Nebraska. Um, I mean, if, if, if Nebraska's, if this isn't a fluke, Nebraska wins this game. Um, you know, I think Nebraska has the opportunity to avoid the double buy for the first time in a few years or avoid the double buy, avoid playing on Wednesday for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, so I think this, this would be a big win, um, and kind of really cement that they're actually moving in the right direction. And then, uh, another game of the week candidate, Indiana, Purdue, um, it at Mackey. Uh, obviously, we saw a big comeback for Purdue just fall short last time. Um, so interested to see the kind of adjustments they make. I think if Indiana's if Indiana's supporting cast keeps playing this well, if we get consistent shooting from Miller Cop, if Hojefino has a relatively efficient game, um, if if Galloway and Geronimo can just kind of give some sort of lift off the bench, and if if Race Thompson continue can continue playing at a high level, uh, this is a game Indiana can go that can go in there and win. Um, you know, it's it's definitely. Definitely one that will be close. I fully expect the, the numbers really like Purdue in this one, but I, I mean, I think old rivalry game, uh, you know, obviously big, big game last time. I think this is going to come down to the wire. Um, I like Purdue to get the win if you made me choose just because it's the game's at Mackey. But uh, if, if Indiana wins, I would not be surprised. All right. And then finally, we got four games on the docket on Sunday. Illinois heads to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. Uh, nothing more to say here other than you know you got to have this if you're Illinois, um, even though they're you know, even though they're heading in the wrong direction, um, and that, that loss earlier in the week to Northwestern wouldn't be a bad one if that were the outcome. You, you can't drop this one to Ohio State, um, especially this late in the season. Um, Northwestern heads to Maryland. Um, this should be this should be a fun game. Um, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how Maryland's offense is leaps and bounds better. Um, in College Park than anywhere else in the conference. So um, this is strength on strength, good offense on good defense. Um, and again, also another test for the Wildcats to see whether they can win on the road. Um, Wisconsin heads to Ann Arbor. Uh, you know, we, we just talked about these teams just played each other. This will be a fun one. Two teams. Uh, I think we talked about this team, this game, you know, last week potentially being a bubble elimination game. Um you know, if, if 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 that wasn't the case last week, I think it'll definitely be the case for this this game. Um, again, Michigan probably would need this a little bit more than Wisconsin, but um, it, it, that game will probably have a lot of survive and advance feel to it. I don't know that it's worth it to talk about X's and O's, given that uh, uh, the the way this game ended last week was barely basketball. Um, and, and not worthy of our time to talk about X's and O's wise, but um, we'll, you know, it, it, it'll probably be a close game and it'll come down to which team wants it more and um, which team decides that they want to execute um, real offense. And then finally, what could be the most fun game of the day is Rutgers heads to Penn State. And by um, fun, if you love contested mid range jumpers and lots of one on one play um, in a late Sunday Big Ten game, uh, that's going to be it. Uh, great opportunity for Penn State to pick up a quality win at home. Um, 
yeah, this is kind of first to 45, in my opinion. Although I say that uh, with Penn State having just put up 90 on another Big Ten team earlier this week. Although, you know, I, I don't want to say uh, don't bank on Jalen Pickett going for 40 again because he'll probably just drop 40 again anyway. So um, all that being said, it, exciting slate um, all across the week for us as we as we wind down only two weeks left in the regular season. Yeah, that will uh, that'll do it for us. Um, thanks for sticking with us for a slightly longer episode. Uh, there's gonna there's gonna be a lot to discuss in the next few weeks, and we're excited to have you all along for the ride. Uh, if you've got any questions, comments as as we kind of head towards the tournament, anything kind of matchup related or anything like that, feel free to send them to us. Big Ten Hoops Weekly at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter uh, while it still functions, and uh, have a good week, and we'll see you next time.